silly things when they've had too much wine. And that is exactly what Belshazzar does. He calls for these goblets that his descendants, his Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. 
sacred objects. And he calls for them so that him and his royal court um, could carry on drinking. What Belshazzar was doing is what we would call blasphemy. Now, that is not a word that we use commonly um, in, a, in our culture right now. Blasphemy really is failing to remember who God is, dishonoring God, trampling over those things that were sacred. That was what he and his people were doing. See, if you go back in the story of Daniel, you'll find that his, his uh, predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had come to an acknowledgement of who God is. You see that in chapter 4. But by the time Belshazzar comes along, he has failed to remember. He's just failed to remember. And so he and his buddies engage in these blasphemous acts. There's all this idolatry going on. You saw that where they're praising the gods of gold and silver and wood and stone and all of that kind of stuff. Now, before we diss these people too much, I want to suggest that many of us are guilty of exactly the same thing. That we are guilty of not remembering to honor God, of not putting him in his rightful place, putting other things in his place. And as we think about this area of work, I don't think it's uncommon for many of us to put work in a very elevated place in our lives. Very elevated. It's very easy for me as a pastor to do that to put my service to God above my worship of God. If you're involved in church in any way, leading in any way, it's very easy for us to do that. Very easy to put career and our work above God. Now, here's the thing. If you set yourself up against God, do not be surprised if he accepts the challenge. If you set yourself up against God, do not be surprised if he accepts the challenge. This is what happens to Belshazzar. This hand appears and starts to write on the wall. Now, some of you will remember the television series and the film, The Addams Family. Do you remember? This really odd bunch of people. You know, like, really odd. Really, really odd. And you remember the character? I, uh, character's not quite the right word. This dismembered hand called The Thing. Do you remember that? sort of what it was like. The difference being is that the hand that appeared wasn't a thing. It wasn't a connected to nothing. It was connected to someone. This was the hand that had flung stars into space and created the whole universe. This were the fingers of the hand that had carved into stone tablets to write the Ten Commandments. This was the fingers which, uh, you know, when Jesus was brought that woman in adultery, he doodled in the sand before setting her free. This was the hand of God. And so as these fingers start to ride on the wall, Belshazzar takes a turn for the worse. Turns pale, his knees start knocking, his strength gives way. And what he does is he calls for the magicians and the astrologers. None of them can read or interpret what is written, but they remember this guy called Daniel. And so they call for him. And Daniel reads the writing. I'm skipping to the end of the chapter. Four words are written, meeny, meeny, tekel, parsin. And this is the interpretation that Daniel brings. You pick it up in verse 26. He says to the king, this is what these words mean. Meaning, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Perez, 
Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple, a gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. See, Belshazzar decided to set himself up against God, and God responded to the challenge. And his pride led to his downfall. His reign comes to an end. I think the lesson for us is quite simple. Don't set yourself up against God. Don't put things in God's place that shouldn't be there. Humble yourself before God. It's really important for us that we find ourselves in places of humility, remembering who's in charge, especially when things are going well. Maybe in the context of work, you've had a pay rise or a promotion. Don't set that up against God. Acknowledge him. Maybe a project you've worked on has gone really well. You're getting a lot of credit for a job well done. I'm so pleased for you. That's a wonderful thing. But acknowledge God in the middle of that. Let's go back to the middle of the story. These are the verses that I just want to focus in on a little bit this morning. Verses 10 to 12. Because all of this thing is kicking off. This hand is writing words on the wall. And then none of the astrologers can interpret it. Verse 10, the queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banqueting hall where the king lived forever, she said. Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. There is a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of the gods. Your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, appointed him chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. He did this because Daniel, whom the king called Belteshazzar, was found to have a keen mind and knowledge and understanding, and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. In the world that we live in, I believe there is, there's a lot of questions that God asks, but here's one. Can I have a witness? In other words, is there someone here who will stand up and speak for me? Is there someone here who will put themselves on the line? Is there someone that I can send into the culture of this world with a message of good news? Is there someone who will go for me? Can I have a witness? If you've been tracking the story of Daniel, Daniel was an incredible witness in the anti-God, anti-faith world in which he found himself. Now, some of you here, I know, work in Christian workplaces. You might work for a Christian charity. Most of you here do not find yourself in that context day by day. Most of you will have some not-yet-Christian neighbors. I assume. God, I believe, is asking this question to all of us. Can I have a witness? Will you be someone who will speak up for God? Who will live for him? So I want to share five things this morning about being a witness. Be 
thinking of this context of work, but I think these things are applicable wherever you find yourself day by day, whatever context. Five things that I, I hope and I believe will be helpful to us. The first is this, engage with the culture of the world around you. Engage with the culture. I love Daniel's job title. Verse 11. Daniel's job title was chief of the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners. For the Harry Potter readers out there, he was like the head of Hogwarts. That's his job title. How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel? Does it intrigue you? Does it send shivers down your spine that a follower of God would have that kind of job? Do you wish he'd had better careers advice when he was a younger boy? Maybe you think that your workplace is a challenge. And then you read about Daniel's workplace. For me, it raises all sorts of thoughts and questions, but it also inspires me. It inspires me because unless a light goes into a dark room, that room stays dark. Does that make sense? Unless a light goes into a dark room, that room stays dark. Does that mean that any job is okay? Well, personally, I think there are some boundaries. For example, there are some moral and ethical boundaries. Um, there are things like prostitution and drug dealing that I do not think are good areas of employment. But there are other places in our world that desperately need more light. And so I would ask the question, and, and I hope you understand what I'm saying. Is your workplace godless right now? And at one level, I'm going to say to you, good. Because that means that if you are a follower of Jesus, your light will shine more brightly in that place. Light shines more brightly in dark places. So I want to encourage you this morning engage with the culture of your work, of the world around you. Engage with your colleagues. Go out for a drink with them. Engage with it, even when it is very challenging. Second thing, be someone who is empowered by the Spirit. Witnesses are empowered by the Spirit. Of what they said about Daniel, verse 11, what they noted was that he has the Spirit of the Holy Gods in him. Has the spirit of the holy gods in him. If you're a follower of Jesus, wouldn't you love someone at your work to say that about you? Or maybe a neighbor or a friend to say something like that about you. Maybe they do. Maybe someone has come up to you and said something like, wow, that there is something about your life that is just unexplainable, that I just can't compute. There is something about you. You, you know, you're a way kinder person than anyone else that I know. You go the extra mile. And you know that word, that, that sense, that picture that you shared about my childhood, how did you know that? Maybe someone has said that about you. See, I believe that a Christian is supposed to live a life that seems unexplainable, but for God. A life that is unexplainable, but for God. The life that God invites us into is to explain what seems unexplainable. To be a witness. Third thing, build a good 
reputation. Wherever you go, but including at work, build a good reputation. Verse 11. Again, what they noted about Daniel was they said this, in the time of your father. That's what they're saying to the king. We need to remember this is 20 plus years before. And so Daniel's reputation was something that was remembered. He had a good reputation and it lived on. And so when you leave your current job or you retire, how do you want people to remember you? Or maybe when you move house, how do you want your ex-neighbors to remember you? Or maybe you have been on one team here at Riverside and you move to another team. How do you want people to remember you? First job I had, the chief executive was up there somewhere. Just, just didn't engage with us ordinary people. And I remember multiple times where someone would hold a door open for him, he would go through the door and never even say thank you. That's what I remember about him. What do you want to be remembered for? Someone who demanded that others make coffee for you in the morning? Or someone who goes and makes coffee for your colleagues? How do you want to be remembered? What is the reputation that you're wanting to build? Fourth thing. In the workplace, use your natural abilities and your spiritual gifts. Both. I love what they say about Daniel. This is verse 12. They said he has a keen mind and knowledge and understanding and also the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. There's a bunch of natural abilities that Daniel had. He had a keen mind. He had good understanding, good knowledge. But he also had these supernatural gifts that God released to him, the ability to interpret dreams and explain riddles. And he brought both of those into his workplace. You know, I've heard of, um, already this morning, talk about the Shape for More series that starts in a couple of weeks' time. Um, we're excited about this series, and part of what we're going to explore are these couple of things. Not only the natural abilities that God has created in us. Some of you here will be great at baking. Some of you will be excellent at spreadsheets. Those are natural abilities. God bless you. But they're also the supernatural gifts that God releases to us. And God gives us both so that we can serve him and we can be people that transform the culture in which we find ourselves. So that's just a part of what we're going to be exploring. As you've already heard Rob say this morning, please don't miss out on being fully part of this series. Grab one of those small group flyers. You can do it right now. I'm going to assume if you pick up a pen or your phone right now that you're not going to be on Facebook, that you're going to be going to whatever website it is. It's on the card, riversidevineyard.com slash shape, and you're going to be saying, I'm, I'm going to join a group for this series. Last thing I'm going to share, fifth thing. Don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to speak up. Verse 12, what the queen says is, call for Daniel and he will tell you what the writing means. And we've seen that, haven't we, through the story of Daniel, that he was someone who spoke up, even in a workplace which was very unfriendly to faith. In a culture that was unfriendly to faith, he was a witness. He chose to, to speak up. Now, for those of you who work in an office, in a, in a workplace somewhere, I want to ask you a question. Do your colleagues know that you're a Christian? Do they know? 
You see, I think sometimes we hope that people will see that we're quite a nice person and we're quite loving and compassionate and people will join the dots between that and us having Christian faith. My experience is that that rarely happens. But one of the things when God calls us and says, can I have a witness? A witness opens their mouth in some way and helps people to join the dots between the way that we live our lives and the hope that we have, the faith that we have in God. And so when God asks you, will you be a witness? What's your answer? What's your answer to him? In your workplace, in your community, in your neighborhood, what is your answer? Will you say yes to being a witness and being someone who shapes the culture of your work? I'm going to invite up Julie. Come and, come and join me, Julie. You know that over the past year, we have at fairly regular points just ask someone what they are going to be doing this time tomorrow. And so I'm going to ask that exact same question to you, Julie, approximately this time tomorrow. What are you going to be doing? In other words, what do you do for work? So I'm a human resource business partner for a philanthropist, and um, our line of work is to work with societies to strengthen um, rule of law, justice, and respect for human rights in different countries. My specific role is to strengthen the HR function enforce specific portfolios in Asia and the Balkans. And so tomorrow, there's never a dull moment in my life. And so specifically, um, I'm focusing on uh, supporting open two new offices in Asia. And we're in the process of rethinking our strategy. And so thinking through the workforce that aligns with our strategy is what I'll be doing next week. Wonderful. Are, are you allowed to share with us what organization you work for? I work with Open Society Foundations. And the philanthropist is? Um, Open Society Foundation, started by George Soros. If any of you reads the news or follows the money markets, that's who I work with, yeah. Okay. So some of you will be familiar with him, particularly if you go back in UK financial history to Black Wednesday in 1992. This man was involved in a part of that. So what are some of the joys and the challenges of your workplace? So the joys is, um, as an HR person, I guess, watching people make different steps, join the organization, listening to their vision, and watching them grow, understand, add to the business, um, have difficult conversations. I think as an HR person, God gives you um, an opportunity to work with people in a way that you never would, and they share things that they never would if you were not an HR person. And so the joy is being able to listen to them and um, pray for them, sometimes be bold enough to say, I'm actually a Christian, and um, what you share, stepping aside from my HR function as a representative of this organization, this is what I've, I've provided as an offering. So that's a joy. And yeah, the challenge. Yeah, so the challenge is pretty much aligned with the joy, because um, people come with heaviness, they come with stuff, and sometimes just really stepping aside and realizing, you know, this is their stuff, this is my stuff. Um, is difficult, and, and also because maybe the mandate, the work that we do, is extremely um, exhausting and frustrating, because we're trying to change a world out there, and so sometimes that exhaustion is brought into the workplace, and so there's tensions, and as an HR person, you're kind of caught up in between the tensions, so that, that's really challenging, yeah. And how does faith make a difference to your 
still working on things. So I've never had an illusion that I could ever do this job outside God, outside faith. And two years ago, we actually hosted a UK for, for this work. Um, I know that I'm dependent on God because I could never figure out the human mind. And sometimes when I think I'm just about to, something surprising happens. And then I realize, you know, I don't really have it figured out. So a constant dependence on God for wisdom, for guidance, for courage, I guess, to speak up um, and to figure out things that I haven't done before. So we're opening up offices in Asia in, in specific countries that I haven't worked before. But knowing I'm at the table and I'm totally dependent on God to be able to give the right advice is really the essence of my faith. And if there's one or two things that you'd be thankful, what would they be? Um, so I've enjoyed this series of, of Daniel, and in a sense I see our journey as a family aligned um, to Daniel's story because although we all are foreigners and, and are walking through this land, this world, because this is, this is our temporary home, I feel even more so that this is our temporary home as a family, and, but God has brought us for a time such as this, and there's something really specific that he wants to accomplish um, through our lives. So praying that I'll be able to see that purpose, even when it's so hard to see. Um, I know that God brought us here, but sometimes I need persuasion. I need to be persuaded on a daily basis that we're here for the right time and for specific purposes. Continue to pray for